Welcome, everybody. We open the locker room here, and of course, it's Dungeon Wolf in the locker room with the Wild Bunch. That would be, of course, Jacob of Israel and Shirtless Tom. Wild Bunch is back again. The Wild Bunch Second is back again. You know row. what? The three of us just like bad breath in the morning. Here we are, man. Can't get rid of us. <laughs> That's right. Well, I know one thing you can't get rid of is the sound of Steelers Nation uh. taking over Canton, Ohio last night. Because I got to tell you something. The place rocked. The moment... The moment they started the broadcast, you could see terrible towels and everything just in. It's all you saw. That's it. It's a all sea you of saw. it. Was it not? It, what was your reflections, man? If you just saw a shot of the crowd, like if you turned the TV on in the middle of it and just saw the crowd shot, you would think that they were hosting it at Heinz Field <laughs> if you aren't any of the wiser. It was a home game for the Steelers out there. I mean, where do you start with what was the best part? I mean, you got Troy, Donnie, and Bill giving their speeches last night. Three Steelers legends. Three guys well-deserving of getting to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. It's great to see the terrible towels rocking while they were giving their speeches. I was just overcome by the the sea of towels. Jacob, you were talking about it earlier. What was your reflections when you remember that? They they couldn't even get through their speeches at times because the crowd became too loud. The towels were whirling too fast. You, You They just wanted to take in the moment of seeing their fans appreciate them being inducted into the Hall of Fame, the greatest honor you can have in all of sports is being inducted into your respective sports Hall of Fame. And each time every every man went up to the podium to begin, they still, they didn't speak, they didn't try to get it started, even though it was their moment. They made it for the fans, which I thought was a great part of it. The fans were equally as part of the night as the men who were inducted. Now, one of the things, did you guys notice how everybody's sitting in lounge chairs up there? I know, super comfy, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, that's a great idea, you know, because most of these guys, they probably got some back issues, you know, they got, uh, you've got the after effects of an NFL career no for question. a lot of them, most of them coming from, you know, the prehistoric era, the Jurassic era, <laughs> you know, in the NFL when, you know, they, I mean, you hit so many times during like three times a week, you were in pads, then you played a game. So, looking at that, I'm sitting there going, well, that's pretty cool, man. Everybody's got their own lazy boy there or whatever it is. (laughs) You got to keep them comfortable, right? I mean, they deserve that. It should should come with a lazy boy. It shouldn't just be the jacket anymore. It should be a gold jacket, and you get a gold lazy boy from the Hall of Fame. You can take (laughs) use it on the stage, and then we take it and ship it home to you to have at your house later. A gold lazy boy chair. Now, that that is funny. Maybe a little Hall of Fame patch (laughs) sewn into the back of it. Oh, I think that'd be tremendous. Could you imagine that? We present you with your jacket. Oh, and, and by the way, here's your chair. here's your double <laughs> they, wide fat guy say, lazy boy let chair. Let me let me hang my jacket on this immaculate chair that I get to sit you on. You could put a little hook life. on the back yeah. of the chair. Oh, and you now, can, now okay, now, now we're, we're getting, really starting to get And then somewhere. maybe it's got like a cup a cooler. holder that you could have a you built-in know? cooler. Yeah. Absolutely. Can uh, we get David Baker on the line, the Hall of Fame <laughs> president? We've got some things we need to run by him. 2022. You know what? I I forgive me if I if I if I repeated this, but I, I get the biggest kick out of the commercials that he does when he comes when to, he the goes door. to the doors. Yeah, yeah, and he knocks, and it's like he takes his mask off and goes, "Hi, I'm David Baker." Like, oh yeah, really? You're six foot nine, four hundred yeah. pounds. We As don't know we who you are. I knew you were David <laughs> Baker, five blocks down the street. <laughs> 
Hey, come on. A massive human being. Yeah, massive. He didn't even play football, I mean, from what I understand. Couldn't be anybody better to no. be handing out no. the whole No. Thing. I mean, but the funny part is, is he's him taking that little mask off, like that even yeah. covers anything but the nose and the mouth, barely. You know, it's like a bottle cap with a couple rubber bands on it. You know, and he's such a massive man. He's such a good dude, too. I and mean, you're right, though. His persona has become such a thing that he doesn't even have to say anything anymore. He opens the door, or yes. players open the door, and they immediately are taken aback and start moving themselves to tears because there's they only one thing coming when David Baker knocks at your door. Now think about how that door knock is the complete opposite of the way it used to be handled when in training camp you get the knock on the door from the Turk. Mm-hmm. And the Turk was the one who told you, coach wants to see you bring, your playbook. bring your playbook with you. Now that, I mean, that's, you couldn't have two further apart circumstances <laughs> with the same Entree, let's say. You start you your know? career with Knox being the most evil thing you could possibly <laughs> hear, and you end it with it being glory. When I was a rookie, I remember some reporter asked me when it was coming down towards cut time, and uh, it, 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 we're facing the last cuts there up in Latrobe. And, um, so he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, oh, I'm going to go to the hotel, and I'm going to put put my put my get Abba. You know, another name, put it under there, and, you know, they won't find me. And he goes, they'll find you. And I'm like, <laughs> I was kidding, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was a joke. Lighten up. I'm the one. Lighten up, Francis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I'm the one under the gun here, man. What are you getting all bent out of shape for? <laughs> I just thought it was a funny reaction by the guy. You know, I'm just trying to have some fun with a, a, a really a tough situation right. because when you come down to it and you are one of those guys – uh, right at the end, that's that's a tough situation. I can't imagine. It's like, it's like a hard knocks. Who who lets the camera into the office so that you can watch the coach cut a guy? I agree. They should only do like a shot of the kid going in, exactly and then coming out. They shouldn't that's go public humiliation of the office yeah, so the coach it's... can sit down and be like, "Look, we like you. You played hard, but you don't have a job." It's anymore. already one of the most traumatizing things they'll go through, and to have it nationally broadcasted for the world to see. I mean. That's a little harsh, don't you think? We don't need to actually hear what was said. Right. We get the no. picture. He was cut. Got you know, it. one of the funniest stories is my brother, Ronnie, played with a couple of guys from West Virginia, and they were signed as free agents by the Browns. One was a late draft pick, and another was a free agent. But they were roommates over at camp. And so on the cut down date, the one guy, the phone rings. He answers the phone. And uh, it was somebody telling him, you're going to be released and everything. Bring your stuff down like that. Because they didn't bother knocking on the door back then. At that point, I guess. And so he goes, uh, let me talk to your roommate. And he acted completely calm, like, you know, everything was cool. And he handed it to his roommate. He goes, oh, somebody wants to talk to you. He didn't say a word. And the other guy also was released. And, and, and the other guy just said, like, he, like, went right to the tank. And the other guy's like, going, oh, what's the matter? Oh, I'm so sorry. Then he told him, like, two minutes later, yeah, I got cut, too. Uh, <laughs> was, that's always better, right? It was like, a little humor, a little, humor, a little yeah. something for a very tough day. But hard knocks, I can't, like I said, that's just. That's starting this week, I think, by the is way. Is it really? I think on the 10th. Oh, Wednesday for Dallas week. for Dallas yeah. or Tuesday this week. Yeah. Well, going back to uh, the Hall of Fame, right. la- uh, you know the other. Uh, well, last night, um, you know, just the fact that you had Steelers Nation show up in such a big way, I can't even imagine the thrills and chills that were going down the spine of Troy, of Donnie, right. you know, of Bill Cower. I mean, that had to be magnificent in so many ways. And uh, I, I was, I was uh, wondering whether Cower is going to tell the story that he's told before about um, when he was negotiating with the bringing a guy on, you know, a free agent, 
and uh, the guy suddenly had agreed to a contract, then wanted more, mm-hmm. and so he went to Mr. Rooney and you know uh, told Mr. Rooney, look, just you know he just wants a little bit more. Let's just pay him more. And Mr. Rooney said, "Sit down." He goes over, shuts the door. He goes, "Cower, don't tell me how to spend my money." <laughs> <laughs> Bill, Bill said. Okay, Mr. Rooney, <laughs> just left. You know, but I mean, it was funny because Dan Rooney was so huge in when you you talk about the discussions of, you know, the, the work labor peace in the NFL. You know, Tagliabue yeah. got up and talked about. Um, Mr. Rooney was just so significant in all that. His relationship with Gene Upshaw as executive director of the, the Players Association and and Mr. Rooney, they really created a platform of mm-hmm. peace where the negotiations were always respectful and so much got done and labor peace was achieved because of Mr. Rooney and Gene Upshaw's. But um, going again, talking about it now. So we had first up, who was first up? It was Donnie first Shell. Up, it was Donnie. Donnie, right? Donnie what, a, what a man full of God's grace and beauty, a man who's such a strong believer in Jesus and a guy who is, uh, he, had str- he had such a... Um, persona about him when i came to the steelers man he was just uh he was the human torpedo it was nice for me to hear and i'm sure jacob as well from donnie show maybe the one i wanted to hear from the most in a way just because you know saw troy play saw cower coach tonight i saw fanica play so very right. familiar with those guys just don't get me wrong it's great to hear from some of my heroes of my youth but donnie shell never really got to see him play so this is something i'm, I'm really just learning about this weekend and diving into research, talking about him on these shows, and then finally hearing the man speak. And man, it was so great to hear him talk about Bill Nunn too, and mm-hmm. just about how Give Bill Nunn credit, gave right. him the opportunity to come to this great organization and I switched mean, him from linebacker, yeah, exactly. into the secondary. I mean, just incredible to hear him speak. And, and really, all the guys. My favorite part of these speeches is when they give the credit to the men that helped pave the way for the hall. You don't get to the Hall of Fame by yourself. No. You, you need help along the way. You. You heard uh, um, Cower talk about the, the late Marty Schottenheimer being a huge influence on him and his coaches in Cleveland during his day, and and Troy even gave a shout out to Mike Logan. And, How know, about that? A forgotten Steeler for many, probably, but West really, Virginia really helped shape Troy's football knowledge in his rookie year. He said so. Great. I mean, it's he always- had said how many people have the humility to go to their rookie who's essentially their successor and say i will do everything in my power to train right. you to become great and, and that's what i mean that's the part that i love the most and again donnie with bill non it's just hearing them give the credit and the praise to the men that helped them get there it's that's always very moving to me. you know it's it's a real it's, it's a reality and an aspect of the steelers locker room that is generational right. that of of welcoming the new blood and then also reaching out and mentoring mentoring was a big part of that locker room let me tell you when i first hit latrobe uh, I was drafted basically to replace Sam Davis, who was a 14-year veteran, uh, a captain in the 70s, a four-time Super Bowl uh, ring bearer. You know, big um, shoes to fill. Yes, exactly <laughs> so. And I remember he came up to me on the first or second day that uh, we were in camp. He said, my room is in uh, 222 or 4, I can't remember which, in the second floor, all the vets were. He said, if you have any questions about the playbook, come in and we'll sit down, we'll go over it. And I did. I mean, I picked his brain for everything, you know, just, but he was that type of guy. And you learn from that. And, and what, what Troy is talking about is the fact that this has been done for generations in that locker room. You welcome the young blood and then you reach out and mentor. And that's just, you, you see it done. 
You know, it's just done. And so you pay it forward just like it was paid forward to you. And no doubt that's got to be one of the underlying reasons for the Steelers having generational success generation after generation. I mean, the Steelers are never a bad football team. I mean, throughout their entire history since the 70s, they've been a competitive entity in the NFL, and that has to speak to it is where there's always this kind of sense of camaraderie. And I'm sure there's in the back of people's heads, you know, recognizing your career is coming to an end is never a good thing and they replaced you or are trying to replace you with this young guy so you got to swallow oh, your pride a little bit there but there's no to question keep the team on the right track for the years after you you, you got to be a little selfless and, and help break in that new right. guy because if you don't they could be lost and then you're going to be sitting on your couch watching your old team not know what the hell's going on and you're going to be sitting there going oh, i wish i could have told that guy when i had the chance <laughs> You know, I mean, it's funny because you, you, you really pass it on to the next generation right. of guys. Yeah, and one thing that I loved about Troy's speech, I know we're we're getting there, but the one thing he said that really resonated with me was, as a Steeler, more importantly than a member of the NFL, but as a Steeler, a great sign of respect is some of the guys looking to you and saying, man, you could have played with us. Yeah. You could have you could have hacked it in any generation. Those and 70s guys set the standard like you're they saying. They did. I mean – and and Troy said that, you know, Mike Tomlin always says the standard is the standard, but that resonated. I mean, Tomlin was the first to say it, but that was a looming type of thing that was there in the 70s, and he just articulated it, and now it's become such a model for the franchise. But going back to Donnie, I mean, this was the missing piece, right? That whole team, there was there was no inconsistency. There was no missing piece except for Donnie not making it, and now he's there, and it, and I think, to me, it solidifies how truly great that, A, that draft class was, and, B, how great that team was. Well, now we just got to no get question. LC in. Uh, well, LC, 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 there's, there's another guy. We'll, we'll get to, you know, we can uh, talk about the guys that should be, too, because you can't, you cannot, Andy Russell, you cannot overlook. No mm -hmm. doubt. Andy Russell was, I think, a nine-time Pro Bowler or something like that, eight-time whatever, but he was great before when the Steelers stunk. All right, he was great then. There's no question the Steelers are a victim of their own success. Oh, I mean, they I, just have too many players that you need a whole wing of, of just Steelers. It's no question. There's, There's not absolutely. That's why the Hall of Honor kicked into gear. But you know what is a little ridiculous? They make that case all the time for the Steelers. Well, you know, it's different for them because they got so many people. The Bears still have more people in the Hall of Fame as us. You can't start using that as right. an excuse until we at least have. The well, most I people think in the I Hall think it's because consistently the Steelers are still sending guys. I don't know time, who, yeah. the last time a, a Bear was enshrined. Do you guys? I no, mean, and I well, a Jimbo lot of those Covert. came. <laughs> a lot. Well, that's, there you go. Uh, what was that about? Just there to be go. a smart well, ale. There you go. Oh, for me wow, to yeah. look at you. Ten hours, twelve hours. But ago, I mean, from, time a Bear went in from eighty-five, of course. But right. I mean, the, a lot of those guys were from, what, the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Yes. But not, the modern Bears, right? yeah. like Jay Cutler and Rex Grossman aren't going to be knocking on the doors. No. You're not seeing <laughs> no, Brandon exactly. Marshall go in. Or... Brian Urlacher. There's one. All right, there's one. Urlacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He, what a great, you talk about great athlete, oh, that man, guy. Yeah. Man, oh, man. But I will never forget. Who was I just having this conversation with? The hit he uh, Bussy put Bussie. on him. Oh, I mean, we all know. In that. the oh. snow. Oh, my goodness. That was. It was the first game of that four-game winning streak to end the season. Yeah. It was the first one. That was just unbelievable. What a what a hit. I remember I remember watching it, and I, I remember talking to him. I said, this is Western PA. 
If uh, that had been a deer, you'd have seen a, a, a camouflage Jeep right out in the field and throw him across the hood and tag him. <laughs> and that would have been, you know, that, that would have been a yinzer right there. I mean, just amazing. But I got to tell you, I thought when Cower got up and he re- referenced the yinzer and stuff like that, yeah. and, and Troy also talked about that, um, just how, how much they were extending of themselves, showing – that inner self that you never see, yeah, you know, exactly. and reaching out to the people. And I just thought it was magnificent in so many ways. It was humbling, you know, and, and nobody, nobody uh, does humble better than Donnie Shell and Troy Palomalu. Oh. They're just incredible. Troy was such a unique person to hear give that speech for eight, nine minutes, however long he talked, because he's such a quiet man. But every word that he speaks carries so much weight. I mean, he's and he so, started and too. He's such an eloquent speaker right. as well. W- when he does talk, I mean, you need to listen because yeah. he's going to say every everything he says. Is, but there's no wasted words when it comes to Troy right. Polamalu. He wasn't so. the vocal leader of that team, but he was still the leader. And as you said, Tom, his words carry such weight. And he started his speech by saying, "I love the game of football." Exactly. And you know he did. But the best part—I'm not the best part, but I, the cool part. When he rocked the hairdo, when he said, oh, I'm absolutely. proud of my Samoan, so however he pronounces that, heritage. And all of a sudden, you know, the camera flashed away. And then you come back and, and the locks are flowing, baby. Yeah. And you can see people standing up, his family standing up, his Uncle Kennedy. Well, how about you know? his two boys with the same oh, locks yeah. of hair? How yeah. about that? Yeah, Emphasis absolutely. on heritage there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Got to be the best bust in Canton now, right? Or at least oh, one and of that's them. what they did when they when they revealed it when him and Dick LeBeau revealed the, the bus. I mean, they the first thing they did was turn it around, right, to show the hair. Yeah, it's got to show the hair. It's funny because these two on the field have just been linked together as the greatest safeties ever, but they might be the greatest busts ever in Canton. Him and Ed Reed have two of the best busts. Ed Reed's got the big beard and the huge afro hair going on. Oh, his. really? I don't and remember. And Troy's that. got, of course, the long flowing mane hair. So I. I I would say it's between those, just like it was in their entire t- careers in Pittsburgh and Baltimore, it's between those two for the top uh, bust, I'd say. You know, the, the funny part is it reminds me of, it was either Flacco or Carson Palmer who said uh, when they were talking about the Steelers' defense, it just follow the hair. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Easier literally, said than done. He's, well, that's the whole thing. He The key was, was part of this. I, I'll tell the story when we come back at some point because it would take me a few minutes. So we're going to come back, and I'm going to tell you the story about having a, a end zone view of Troy Palomalo sugaring a quarterback and, and see if anybody could make sense of what this guy did and did it so magnificently. We'll be back with more right here on SNR. Rolling along here, SNR. That was a go, right, Jacob? It's training camp for us, too. So I got the finger point. We're here. We're doing it. And, of course, it's the Wild Bunch here in the locker room with Dungeon Wolf, and we are rolling on. And I got to tell you something, man, because, you know, we were talking about uh, off off air a little bit about Pat McAfee, you know, with Troy. Matter of fact, why don't you relate that yeah, story, so Tom? That's Pat good. McAfee, obviously, everybody remembers uh, kicker and punter for West Virginia, longtime punter for the Colts. Now he does his radio show. He was telling a story about how, you know, they've practiced a fake punt for him to run all week long, maybe all season long. And finally, against the Steelers one Sunday, it was time to run it. They felt it was the perfect opportunity. So McAfee's all pumped up. Yeah, I'm going to finally get to carry the ball, get a nice first down. This is awesome. Get to play some actual football for a change. 
And so they line up, and McAfee's looking at the Steelers' defense and kind of just counting where everybody is, making sure that the play should still be on. And lo and behold, sitting in the C-gap is number 43. <laughs> and Pat McAfee used some salty language when he described the story, but basically was saying, you're not supposed to be right there. I'm supposed to run the ball right there. <laughs> had to audible out of his long-awaited fake punt and had to just punt the ball away because Troy Polamalu, for whatever reason, just something told instinct. him he had to line up there, and he was right. You know, I think Troy, like, he, he could just tractor beam you, you know, like a Jedi, you know, just, you know, and just. Read you. Yeah, he just, you. Yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would just suck you in and, and, and then, you know, know everything that you knew over the previous <laughs> 15 seconds, okay? So. We're playing the Cincinnati – they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And I go walking around. The Bengals are on their own eight-yard line at Heinz uh, Field. So I decide to take an end zone view. So I get down there, and the Bengals are in the huddle. And they're you – know, I'm probably five to eight yards behind the huddle. Right. So I'm, I'm watching them. I want to see how the defense uh, unfolds right here. So they got their base Elkie out. They got a tight end. I think it was uh, 11 or 12 personnel. I can't remember. Um, regardless – uh, as I'm sitting here watching it, to my right, I see Troy line up over the tight end slot area about 10 to 12 yards deep. So Carson Palmer is about to do this, what they, the quarterbacks call the seven-yard walk. Because as you're walking from the huddle to the line of scrimmage, you, you view the safeties to the linebackers and finally the front. That's mm -hmm. how you look at things. You get, you're able to, you know, you're taking in the information, you're downloading it, and you're doing all this to, you know, deal with whatever package you got called in, in right. the huddle. So as, as Carson's walking up, Troy is looking at him, and you can see his hair blowing and everything. I remember he comes forward a little bit, and then he's right behind on the on this side here. He's right behind Joey Porter, okay? And all of a sudden, he, t he breaks 90 degrees, and he starts to trot sideways in front of James Ferrier behind um, Brett Kiesel, Right. A big snack and and Aaron Smith. He's, he's going along. Larry Foot. He's and and you can see like Carson Palmer is like. Well, uh, yeah, it's like a shark coming in. Oh my god! And he's like he's just he's just jogging a little bit, and and you can see Carson like break off his cadence, and he's like getting all flustered, <laughs> getting you know, because yeah. he's looking. He don't know if he's going to Superman or what, because he's right now behind Big Snack. Right. Mm -hmm. So then he comes over and he keeps going. And Carson just I see Carson's head just turning with him. He's taking it all in. Right. And he ends up behind Clark Haggins over at the end of the line of scrimmage here on from one side, the right, my right side, all the way to the left side. OK, then Carson pauses and finally he goes at the snap count. Troy drops straight back into 30 yards deep to be the play the middle zone of cover three. You got a corner, safety, corner in the deep thirds, all deep okay. thirds there. And you're like going, what do you call? How do you call that? How do you even rationalize that? I mean, he started on the right side he of the He started to, as I'm made facing. Made his way left. Yes. Made his way left, but had a, a bunch back. of pit stops on his way to yeah, the Yeah, and, and, and you could tell Carson was trying to account for the fact that Maybe he was about to time the count Superman, and like he he staggered. Do, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was flustered. You know, Carson's like, you know, you know, that's all, folks. You know, and you could tell he was eyeballing. And it was funny because Troy's well, looking at him like because he does it almost every play, right? right. What's that? He, Tom was saying I would have called a timeout if I was Carson Palmer, but how could you? Because well, he's doing that almost there's, every there's play. There's all different stuff that he does, <laughs> and the fact that he was able to just stagger Carson Palmer just by his mere nonchalant movements Presence, right. and, and be able and, and think about this. 
you're trying one of the things that one of the things like Matt Canada, okay? You you have motion and shifts and everything. You're trying to get the defense to tip what they're doing. Right. You want to see their hand. They had what they called Mike Logan first told me this term. They sugar it up. All right. They, they matter of fact, Mike Logan used to say that Troy would coffee house. He'd hang right at the edge of the the box so that he's well. Are you coming or are you dropping it? You couldn't tell. Well, now he's doing the whole thing where he's he's in front of Farrier. He's in front of Foot as he's going behind Big <laughs> Snack and the you know the big keister of Big Snack. Matter of fact, Troy almost disappeared behind Snack. I'm, but I'm anyway. sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> he goes it's not along. hard to do either. <laughs> he goes along and then he drops in the middle third. You know, and it, I, it was an incomplete pass or run. I can't even remember I, what I'm it was. I'm sure it was a bad play. I mean, yeah. Carson Palmer it's wasn't just amazing though on the play that, that you that could point. disguise a cover three coverage like that. That I, I just, it, it just was in my mind. It was like one of the greatest things. And he didn't do anything other than drop back right. and you know be in position. And, and the fact was, well, reputation is the reason why it flustered him so much too. He didn't oh, do anything yeah. on that play, but who knows what's going through Carson? And the fact that it was a quarterback like Carson Palmer too. I mean, no. Question: He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame one day, but this is a very solid quarterback. Had a very nice NFL career. I mean, this isn't some rookie that Troy's flustering. These are legitimate quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Peyton Manning used to say all that the time, was his roommate at, at uh, right. his, you know USC. Right. Maybe he knew how to get in his head. I wonder. Maybe, yeah, I wonder if there Carson was some was history like, there. I hate when safeties go to creep towards the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Troy's like, okay, mental note for later. <laughs> That's good. I hate when I hate when they do that. Oh, okay, <laughs> really? You do? Okay. Okay. I'll see you in three years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that w- it was remarkable. And um, it really, to me, there are just so many Troy moments. Right. You know? Does Does any, count. Do you have a favorite? Um, I, Maybe not the pick six because I think that's, that's like the everybody's obvious. Number right. One. My, my favorite one was when he uh, blindsided Flacco. I think when, that's mine. Too. When James Harrison. The, the karate chop. Yeah, when in he, Baltimore. But yeah, in Baltimore yeah. in the divisional playoffs. Because what was so significant? If you watch that film, and I can't remember the whole thing now because I broke it down for uh, something I was doing uh, previously. But um, somebody did something to the other side and, and attracted Flacco's eye. And as he's looking over the defense, he 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 looks and Troy is is behind the linebackers and he looks over to his right and that's when Troy sinks down to the end of the line and Flacco I don't think Flacco ever saw him now he's next to James Harrison at the end of the line Harrison does a beautiful job of dragging the left tackle and guard and and compressing the end end of the line of scrimmage you know I mean so that rather than having to bow around James as James rushing on the field. He rams to the inside and drags, I think it was uh, Zeus, you know, the big offensive yeah. tackle. Uh, but it, it might have been somebody else. But anyhow, he drags this guy down and shaves that corner so that Troy's got a direct line and blasts Flacco from behind. Of course, fumble, ball out and everything. But what a great move mm-hmm. by Troy just to, I don't know, he had a, the, the Mike Hilton stealth mode back then. Right. How I, could you not see the hair? I know. Well, that's, that's what you said. You said that every opposing quarterback said, look for the hair. Isn't that what, what, isn't that what, on that. Isn't that what uh, Ray Lewis said on the sidelines after the pick six? <laughs> he was like, after the pick six in the AFC Championship. Ray game, Lewis right? had said something like, how do you <laughs> how not? How do you not see him there? Like, yeah. How did you throw that's that ball? That's it. Like, yeah. Like, it, how it do is. you not know he's there? I think my favorite one has to be the uh, Superman over the line. Sack against Kerry Collins. Collins oh, against the Titans on the one-inch line. 
probably was going to be a quarterback sneak, and Paul Miller times the snap. That was the first time he did it that, the that great. Really. Could anybody believe that when he did that? I, I think I mean, everybody thought he it. was offsides. I think you all had to slow it down to be like, I, I cannot believe he actually timed that right. Like, who, who who sits there and goes, all right, it's an all or nothing proposition. It's not like you're going to run the line script and then stop. You know, if you if he hasn't snapped it, once you leave your feet. It's done. Well, think you know? about how smart he is in that situation to know if I miss this timing and I go off sides, they're on the one inch line. What are they going to move it a centimeter closer? You know what I mean? Like you can't really get much closer than they are. Right. So I can risk an offsides penalty here, and it worked out for him. It was a good risk to take. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I think there's one. just so many. Oh, go ahead. No, I have one. I don't know what your perspective of of it was, but I'm interested to know because I think part of the greatness of it was the way it was shot on TV. It was the game that opened the season after the 08 Super Bowl. It was the home opener against Tennessee. Yeah. Chris Johnson was the running back. Yes. Chris Johnson just it was a pitch to the it was a pitch to the left and in the frame of the TV all you see is open field and Chris Johnson. And this is the game. Now this that's 4-2 Chris Johnson. Yeah. Right. This CJ2K, CJ2K, right? right? No, but I'm talking about a 4.2, 40, right, 40 right. times. Yeah. Oh yeah, so, at the time, I mean, fastest player in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think he had just come off of his 2,000 yard season, or in maybe his prime. it was. And yeah. right, this is this is not an aging Chris Johnson. This is still a young one. <laughs> and and the TV frame, all you can see is open field, a pitch to the left, and Chris Johnson, nothing else. And in a flash. Even though he was in the secondary, he wasn't creeping up like he was doing against Carson Palmer, like you said earlier. He was he was stationed in the secondary the whole time. In a flash, all of a sudden, you see a, a, a bolt of black and gold in the hair enter the frame, and Chris Johnson is tackled for a loss. I don't know where you were on the field for that play, but I think part of the magic of it was seeing in your TV frame nothing but Chris Johnson, and in a nanosecond, Palomalu had sprinted from the secondary all the way to the backfield, and even though it could have gone for a first down run, a ten yard gain, he ended up tackling him for a loss. And incredible! It, it, incredible! Incredible! That, that's exactly you know Jacob. I couldn't add anything to it because to have all that open field, right? All that open field with somebody that is blazingly fast. It's it's beyond. And Troy was faster on that play. Oh yes, right. that's the amazing thing to me is like you said, how do you close the gap? We see this in in, in Heinz Field. They practice. They pitch the ball to the back. He runs the sidelines. The defense has now got to work with the sidelines. What they're trying to do is teach guys how to be able to work inside out and use the sidelines as a twelfth defender. Right. Okay. And you should see the guys whiffing left and right on this drill. It's tough. It's really tough to do this. And live action with the fastest man in the NFL, it's almost leaves you beyond compare what you can compare it with or speechless, such as I am right now. Something about the Titans with Troy, too. I mean, he's right. flying over the line for Kerry Collins. He's sacking Chris Johnson in the backfield. He had that crazy interception. One-handed in interception. That's oh, same. He how about had that? some vendetta against Tennessee. He seemed to really crank it up against them for some reason. I mean, he cranked it up against everybody, let's right. be honest. But that one-hander, that, now that's another one that the sheer athleticism. He had a couple one-handers in yes. his career that were yeah. just, how do you He had that one. He had the one it? against San Diego in the snow. Remember the, the oh, diving one? Was like, Phil Sims he couldn't was beside it. himself. That's right. That, okay, that's the one that, yeah, the one-hander was when he caught it up one high against he, Tennessee. He, goes, yeah. he extends it his right. entire but body But the one he scooped upwards. off the grass. Right. Literally on his fingertip. Yes. That was sensational beyond words. And and the problem, too, was that at the time, 
high definition television wasn't where it is today. Right. So you really couldn't tell, but you just knew. I mean, it, it was Troy. You knew he got it. If it was any other guy in the secondary in the NFL, you could say, well, I don't know. I don't you know. He's not the kind of guy to make that play. But you knew Troy was capable. And even though it was a little blurry, you couldn't really see it perfectly, you were going to say, you know what, Troy got it. And I still believe to this day that he got it. I, oh, there's no question right. in my mind. I mean, you go back and take a look at it. I just really believe that you are correct. The other thing, I, the thing that I, I always set Troy apart, though, too, was the humility mm-hmm. in him. You could see of that course. last night in his speech. You know, I mean, there were, he was so close to tears, and, and he held on, and, and, you know, the love that was pouring from the stands to him. And, you know, it's well-earned, man. You know, I mean, this is a guy who one of the most significant things that I've ever seen um, off the field from a player it used to occur on Fridays. On Fridays, you would have um, a lot of special needs kids be able to come watch practice mm-hmm. in, in good weather. You know, they'd come by, and you you always saw most a lot of most of the players come and engage with the kids afterwards. You know, and and shake their hands. But there was only one guy that used to take a knee so that he was on head eye level, eye to eye contact with the kids, and it was Troy. All the guys would stand up, and you know, you got the six six guys, you got the six five, you got, you know, and they'd talk to the kids, and they were very nice, and you know, they they extend a lot of love to them. But Troy would get down on his knees to be eye eye to eye with these kids, and I I always looked at it and go, wow, is that a lesson to yeah. you know me personally and how I you know would go about dealing with this because to sit there and, and have Troy hair flowing and everything else look you eye to eye rather than you staring oh, up yeah. at this this uh, guy that uh, most of these kids, I'm sure, would uh, they're like a super. He's like a superhero it's to the them. Best day of this I lives, just thought yeah. that was such a significant thing for Troy to do. Um, I, I just, you know, you just you just love to see it. It's something, no doubt, that's continuing post NFL career. I know he's very mm-hmm. active as far as you know, coaching youth sports right now and coaching his kids in soccer and stuff like that. So, I think his passion is really in helping young kids <laughs> and the youth and and being able to equate to them, like you said. And Absolutely. It, like you said, it takes a tremendous amount of humility to have the mindset to do something like that. Yeah, that you want to reach out to these kids and you realize that. And, and just to have the perspective to be like, you know what, like kids looking up at me like that's – we're equals here. Let's let's put ourselves – Yeah, I, I just thought that was such a cool thing. Not a lot of people would even think of that consciously, yeah. you know. I just thought that was cool. And not only hum- – hum- Humble, sorry, but grateful. I mean, you always remember the film of Troy on the sidelines. You know, he's in his thoughts. He he's praying every play oh, in yeah. between every play because yeah. he's so grateful for the, for the opportunity that he was given. Absolutely. Every every time right. you saw him on the sidelines, you knew that he was praying and, and, and praising the the people who who made it possible for him. You saw it every day. You saw it every day from him. It's just it was just amazing, you know. So I I enjoyed that. I thought it was great that uh, his his family was there, and you know his uncle Kennedy, who was such a big part of it. Um, you know the yeah. So he he thanked his uncle. I don't. Yeah. I wasn't really familiar with his role. Could you? I, you know, he it? lived with them for a while. I can't tell you a whole okay. lot about it. I, you know, and the darn thing about it, here's the thing. I'll tell you right now. If you want to get the lowdown on Troy, I mean, I, I wish I had ta- told people a week ago, you get Jim Wexel's book. 
Oh, he wrote right, on, of course. That is the definitive work, and there was so much. And I read the thing, but I can't remember it all because I read it so <laughs> long ago. But, you know, it, the, the whole family and how he lived with his Uncle Kennedy and how uh, it really changed his life because Troy was going into a bad time, you know, as you get under the influence of, you know, kids in the neighborhood that uh, aren't too good. Um, that could have gone bad, but it, instead, you know, that his his uncle – was such a big part of his life. And, um, yeah, so get Jim Wexel's book, Definitely. and that will give you a deeper appreciation. Then go back and listen to the Hall of Fame speech again because that would really set the stage for you to understand what you witnessed last night and what you heard because it was truly uh, a remarkable performance by Troy Polamalu. All right, we're going to go to break. Back with more Wild Bunch in the locker room with Dungeon Wolf. Back in the locker room, Dungeon Wolf with the Wild Bunch. Just on a, you know, it, it, it's fun. You know, I was just explaining to you guys, the stories to me are what make the NFL, what uh, the, the memories that you, you create, you know. It's funny because so many fans, they will come up and they'll say, man, I remember Super Bowl, fill in the blank, you know, and um, – well, the day before, you know, uh, my brother got married and this and that. There's always, like, events. Like, the, yeah, they, right. they tag their 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 Steelers Super Bowl wins or big moments around life events, you know. And I love that. I love the fact that, that it, it it's such a part of their life and they want to share the stories. The stories, to me, are just so precious. Right. It's beyond that, though. Yeah. Fa- like, that's how you remember moments like that. Like, even as a fan. Like, I remember where I was when Ben threw the pass to San Antonio to beat the Cardinals. It was in my oh, basement yeah. with my best friend in middle school. Just the two of us going absolutely crazy when that happened. I mean, that's how you really draw on those special moments through sports, even beyond just football, is just putting it in the perspective of what were you doing in your life. And I can't, it's probably 10 times that when you're actually in the sport playing, I, I, I can't imagine what that's like. Well, you know what's funny is now that you mentioned, I just recalled that's Super Bowl forty three, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I was standing about the fifteen yard line. You had better and, seats than me. Oh man, <laughs> I, I had. You know, I got to tell you something. Being on the sidelines was the best seat in the I house. Bet. <laughs> You're down there amongst all the snogulation and snot and blood and testosterone. You know, and you know the thing about it is you got you got all the action just unfolding. I remember when I w- I got down there and, and it was a period of time and I. I there was some violent hits near me, you know? And I remember saying to Tunch on the air, I said, did we ever really do this or did we just imagine it? Because it seems far <laughs> too violent right now <laughs> than anything we did, you know? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Did you notice, this is kind of a random question, but when you were on the sidelines for playoff games or the Super Bowl games, did you notice the hitting took that up a little bit extra than a, maybe a regular season game? Like guys more willing to throw their body on the line when you're a game away from lifting the trophy? Oh, I, I'm sure that the intensity was greater. I, I wonder. I was just wondering you know, if maybe your ear caught like a pop and you were like, whoa, now that's you know, a playoff pop. I I, I got to tell you, you, a lot of those hits, man, they're so vicious that they're right. crashing. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like DNA in my body hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you shy away when you see it. It's like, ooh, ooh, you Ouch. know? I do know this. You got to keep your head on a swivel down there, man. <laughs> I have seen both. I saw Doc Maroon. I saw Doc Bradley. They both got wiped out right. on the sidelines. Uh, Doc Bradley took one, uh, where was it, uh, in Tampa, I believe it was. 
And then think uh, it was Joe Maroon got one in in Dallas. I think Jason Witten took him out. Oh. Mm. I mean, you got you just got to keep that head on a swivel, man, because that's a torn you know, ACL right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of bad mojo that can occur if you're if you're like uh, looking up at the stands and <laughs> not paying attention. Look out, baby. <laughs> You get the hammer dropped on you. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about Bill Cower. Yes. Uh, I thought uh, his references to Crafton and, yeah. you know. He's the his, hometown kid. Yeah, man. the home hometown kid doing Turned well. coach. I mean, what more could you say? I mean, he said it in his speech. He grew up idolizing Chuck Knoll and to be handed the reins by the man, the coach in the 70s, the four-time Super Bowl champion. What does that got to feel like to you as a Pittsburgh <sighs> kid? I mean, that's. That's not that's not even a dream come true because you can't even dream that. You can't even think that anyone could actually do that, that a kid from Pittsburgh watching the team he, he, grew, he grew up with win four Super Bowls and the coach he idolized his entire life is the guy that's handing him the reins. There's Even fairy tale writers can't even write that script. Right. It's a movie, right? It's a movie. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm saying it's even too real for a movie. <laughs> movie writers can't even come up with something it's like that. It's an incredible story. I mean, Fact is stranger than fiction in that one. No, no question about it, but you got to think it's a little extra special for Bill. I know it's amazing for all of these guys, but like Jacob illustrated, you know, this is the team he grew up rooting for, the 70 Steelers, Crafton, local guy. Then he gets the reins, and he goes down as a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, what more could you ask? It's not like he just you know, had a cup of coffee and gets to tell people, yeah, I coached the Steelers for a couple of years. He went to two Super Bowls, won one of them, and was almost always in the playoffs with this team. I mean, he took – what Chuck Knoll built and, and completely ran with it. And then to Tomlin's credit, he's continued to run with it. Think about this. In 1969, when the Steelers first hired Chuck Knoll after being, you know, the lovable losers for so many years. Yes. Think about this. You would successively hire three Hall of Fame coaches in a row. No question. What are the odds of that? It, I mean, that's that's beyond. Not only in a row. Those are the only guys you had lead your team. Yeah, right. It's not even just you got lucky in some eras of 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 your franchise's history. It's no from that moment on, from Chuck Nolan, it was only Hall of Famers. A lot of pressure on the next guy. Yeah. That might be. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, we're do you want to be three. the guy that comes in and wipes out the? <laughs> we're three for three here. On we're Hall three of for three, and then you know the next guy comes in, you're like going. Uh, how you feeling there? Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm a little uneasy. Do, do you really want to take that chance? No, seriously. On, uh, you know, ending the streak of Hall of Fame coaches <laughs> because I don't care what anybody says. Mike Tomlin will stand up there in, in Canton oh, and absolutely. receive a gold jacket. H- no and, question. It's amazing how him and Bill's careers mirror each other. Just with so the, much. You know, two Super Bowls, appearances each, one Super Bowl win. Well, three. Three for three. Tomlin. No, just the two for Tomlin. Oh, went, oh, wait went, a minute. That's right. 95. The, I, okay. 95. 95. Power, 95 You're right. Yes. Yes. Then, uh, yes. And then 11 for Thank Tomlin. you for correcting me. But uh, That's what senil- senility looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, and I think they're very close to wins. In fact, I think if Tomlin gets his eight win, nine win mark this year, he passes Bill for win total. Tomlin's been doing it for a little longer than Bill did as well. So if Bill's in, Tomlin's in. I mean, oh, there's no just, question. I mean, it's they're, not they're, by. They're, they're I don't very think they've resumes. been doing it for much. I don't think he's been doing it for much longer. Cower was I think the coach this is for the year where year? he passes Cower. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so just about the same. Yeah, they're they're direct mirrors of each other. Yeah. Think about it too. I mean, Tomlin's not even had a losing season yet. No. 
you know knock on I, wood that continues here's, yeah, yeah here's a, the whole thing about it. a lot of people are going well you know this and that hey look there's a lot of teams that would love to go a 14-year streak of of non-losing seasons no question i mean there are a bunch of teams out there maybe like the jaguars or the texans you don't even have 14 winning seasons in their history in their yeah. history right the right. lions maybe yeah yeah <laughs> the lions that's that's been a long <laughs> okay but what bill Cowher, the one thing that stood out to me was his passion oh his uh, passion the you know yeah you the know chin jutting out yeah, all of it. You know, when he gets passionate, you know, you get you get too close to him, it can be like sitting front row at a Gallagher concert. You know, <laughs> things things are flying at you. You know, like SeaWorld, but... you need a poncho on before Shamu splashes you. <laughs> there you go. But you know, I love that passion about oh, him. Yeah. You know, I remember him as a player because we played against each other, and uh, you know, he was a very passionate, intense player. Um, you know, would he, he, one of my favorite memories of Bill Cower was. They played Buffalo at the end of the year, and it was James Harrison's first start. And James was uh, the play before he he'd blown his assignment or something. And the Bills were in the end zone; they were they were on their own like uh, ten yard line in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, was this the fifteen in in one year? I can't remember. You know what? (laughs) They all blur together. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, in Buffalo, too many concussive moments in my life. (laughs) Harrison's first start. Yeah, it was Harrison's first start, so it well could have been that they were resting players right before the playoffs. So all I remember was I'm, I'm standing about the 25-yard line, and, you know, the coach's box is about the 45 or something where the, as far as they can come down. And Cowher starts yelling at James. <laughs> now, the Bills are in the huddle. James is on <laughs> this side of the, you know, on the sidelines. But his back is turned as he's standing at the line of scrimmage. And Cowher's screaming, James! <laughs> James! And, you know, and, and James just... Stands there. Now, I can hear James through my – or uh, Cower through my headset. Yeah, but, radio headset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but James just standing with his back turned to Cower. So Cower moves down to about the 35, all right? He's about 10 yards away from me. James! You know, and again, James just stands there, and he won't acknowledge Cower. And I'm thinking, not James knows. He knows he's being he yelled at. Yeah. Exactly. He cannot hear him. Cower is almost next to me. Now, <laughs> he goes, James! And I see the veins standing out in his neck. And I, Coward goes, I know you can hear me. <laughs> and James never turned around. It was hilarious. If you uh, if you Google Coward and Cordell Stewart, there's a great, like, 30-second clip that you'll find of him just in. You're killing me, Cordell. You're killing me out there. Could you just throw a pass to complete? You're killing me and it's just the same thing over and over and over again drilling into cordell the best he's the best how about josh miller you guys remember josh miller the yeah punter? of course okay he shanks one on a safety uh-huh. uh, did you hear this one i'm yeah. sure you've probably no, heard no, this i've never one. heard this one all right he, he you know you kick from your own 20 yard line after, after okay a, yeah, right after right. a safety so he shanks one like about midfield <laughs> and he comes and and cower is just He's right in his face. He goes, what happened? He goes, it was a bad snap, coach. <laughs> when, he's hand, when he's holding the ball. Yeah, bad snap. He said, to myself. I said, I said, Josh, what happened? He goes, I stunned him for a moment, but only for a moment. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, Bill, and it says, like, that's actually a pretty good joke, but I'm still real mad at yeah. you. Oh, it was funny. That was one of the greatest lines. When Josh tells it, it's it's a terrific story. One thing I wanted to say about Bill, I heard, I think Labs was the one who pointed this out to me on one of the training camp shows. The man hosted five AFC championship games. Yeah. Not just made them. He made more than that. 
but he hosted five Good games point. at Heinz Field. He only went one and four in those five, so that was a bit of a trouble spot for him. But the fact that he had that AFC Championship, Championship Weekend in Pittsburgh five times, uh, it's a testament to how great he was in the regular season. That's and a third of his winning no a couple question. playoff games to get to that point. And also very ironic that he did get to the Super Bowl before this, but the Super Bowl that he won – he got there by going on the road, the road yeah. and winning the AFC oh, that's Championship a great point. in Denver. So that's a great point, man. All those times at home, he only won it once, and then he finally does the one on the road, and he's that's this is easy for me. I can win on the road all day long. <laughs> that, that, that's that's pretty amazing. I, I totally forgot about that. But five at home. Yeah. I mean, just a dominant That's, that's guy, amazing. Man. That's a Hall of Fame resume right there. <laughs> for a Hall of Fame guy. Right, no now question. a Hall of Fame guy. No question about it. And then, of course, um, his speech, I just I loved how he um, brought up his, his family and uh, all the people that so impacted his life. Uh, the other thing, college too, linebacker coach. Absolutely. All, yeah, all those you know, people along the way. Um, and then also Donnie Shell and, uh, you know, Donnie talking about uh, the impact that uh, his coach uh, Jeffries had on him and how he said, you know, I, I go to the Steelers. I trust them. I know. Chuck Knoll. And, you know, Donnie couldn't have said it better. I know just from my own personal experience with Chuck, uh, with a decade of playing for him and experiencing him when he said, I don't care how you got here. All right. It's over now. Whatever your draft round, whatever your free agent, whatever, it means nothing now. Now you have the opportunity to demonstrate who you are and what you can do. You know, and I and Chuck was absolutely spot on with that. He yeah. really meant it. It was not just, um, you know, a fetching phrase for him to uh, entice free agents to come. He truly gave them every opportunity to demonstrate uh, that they were capable of playing in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, Don, Donnie Shell is one of those guys that took that opportunity yeah. and ran mm-hmm. with it. I'd say, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned again, Cowher mentioned in his family, and then. Shell bringing up Chuck Knoll a lot. It, again, that's what I love the most about the speeches. You know, my rookie year, Donnie airmailed me. Shower praise. It's people. not about them. It's, it's not it's, about it's them. It's about that's everyone else. All the speeches, you never yeah. see them go up there and, oh, I was great at this. I was the best at that. Right. I'm the best. I have this gold jacket because of me. It's it's always everybody else. And that's I think it's you a level of humility you need to have yeah, to get to that level as no well. No question not about just it. skill on the field. You know, I, I, I was just saying it earlier, my rookie year in training camp, Donnie airmailed me, literally. I mean, <laughs> literally, he hit me so hard, I flew like almost six and a half feet. Welcome to the recall. NFL oh, moment yeah. for you. <laughs> right, I landed right by Chuck. Chuck looked down at me. Looking said, right down at you. He's looking at me and he goes, that's not very impressive. And in my mind, I'm seeing stars, right? I'm thinking, didn't you see that hit? <laughs> That was an impressive that, hit. That was impressive. <laughs> Donnie airmailed me. But then he's probably like, I know what Donnie can do, Wolfley. Yeah. I'm trying to find out what I'm you can do. You, you bounce good. I can tell that. Yeah, Donnie can hit hard. I've known that for the past five, six years. The only thing I know about you, Wolfley, is you bounce very well. <laughs> Boy, that was a double bouncer. <laughs> a one-hopper right to the feet of Chuck. Oh, my heavens. All right. We're going to take a break again. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. It's uh, in the locker room with uh, the Wild Bunch here on SNR. Welcome back, everybody. What's, well, what music is this? What do we got going Generic on music number one. Is that generic stuff? <laughs> yeah, okay. This is bed number six, oh. as it's labeled. Wow, I, I used to love that band. I really followed bed them. Bed number six. Bed yeah. number six. 
think they're playing on next Saturday. Yeah, they're jamming. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is now uh, we've had a – yesterday was a day where they got back to the shells, that sort of thing. Yeah. The things that uh, – we, we we were always in shells, but they were the large shells. They were called shoulder pads. <laughs> we never We never had shells, quote, unquote. But the guys were out yesterday, and uh, I'm excited. Um, we got Zach Banner back. We got Chooks Okafor yes. or Korafor. How do you? I, it's just Chooks. You got it. Yeah, you no, think, it's okay. just Chooks. No, yeah, just, you, you now, just call him Chooks. If you want a tongue twister, yeah. what's his first name, Wolf? What's his full first name? Chuck Wuma? Yeah. Chuck Wuma. Oh, is that, did I nail? Yeah, oh. Chuck you know what? Dude? I thought I had you on that. I, I thought you had me too. I wasn't quite Chukes. sure. We're just going to stick with Chooks. Well, yeah. Craig, you can call him Chooks. <laughs> just make call it easy. I too. <laughs> well, they're back. You know what, Zach? I talked to Zach before the game down at uh, Canton, and um, he's coming along. He's uh, starting to move, uh, get around a little bit, which is good. Um, when well, I say starting to get around him, but get on the field because you really need to start um, seeing this line take some shape coming no up. You know, you, you started that uh, – you had uh, Joe Hag at the right tackle and Dan Moore at the left tackle. Uh, I will say this about Dan Moore. Um, I thought Dan did some good things. You know, I think one of you guys referenced the screen that he was out on, Deontay Johnson. What a nice job he did of uh, trucking somebody and sealing the inside lane – or sealing the inside so that the lane was open for Deontay to get down the field on that uh, – if it was Deontay, I can't even remember now, but um, – but uh, anyhow, I'm glad that uh, Chooks is coming back. I'm hoping that uh, he's able to get right back into it, roll because he needs to. He needs some work. No question, the whole line needs to get some run together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a completely new offensive line. I mean, we talk on our show all the time. Chooks is the most experienced starter when it comes to wearing a Steelers uniform. I know Trey Turner has been around the league for a while and been in the Pro Bowl a couple times, but. Chooks has the most start in black and gold. 15 starts last year, so very inexperienced. I'm glad you see Banner and Chooks back. This is something I was thinking was going to happen, though. I think Tomlin was being a little careful with some of the injured guys. Right. The preseason or the training camp practices before the Hall of Fame game, you know, right. that extra week that the Steelers got. No need to really rush people back when you have a, now a full training camp for what most teams are experiencing in the league. So I think you'll see a lot more guys – come back from that injury bug. I, I think maybe Banner could have practiced more, but why why rush it right. when you have so much extra time if you're the Steelers this year in camp? But you know better than anyone, Wolf, as an offensive lineman, the best thing you can do is to get as many reps with the guys standing to your left oh, and yeah. right. Compatibility, right? I mean, you right. need with to this be... new offensive line. Exactly, and this is the first time, or at least yesterday was the first time that Banner and Chooks were on the line together since training camp started. But it was just the two of them. You didn't have Kevin Dotson out there. There was no Kendra Green on the line. So still, the guys you expect to be starting still, even though Chooks and Banner got their first exposure playing together in over a year, this is it's still not the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's a little concerning, at least to Tom and I, as we've discussed on our show, is the fact that you get, you of course admire Tomlin for not trying to rush things and, 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 and possibly catch an injury bug. But you still are getting a little concerned now because we're getting ever so much closer. We're every day that passes, we're getting closer to the start of the regular season, and you want these five guys who are going to start week one together to have some experience. There's no question. I mean, uh, you, you really want them to start being able to play together and get that uh, sort of continuity and building of the chemistry. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, and I 
Because to me, the three biggest elements for an offensive line as a group is continuity, chemistry, and the rules of the road. And really, it's understanding um, the continuity is just like it's like Jimbo Covert talked last night. Who, by, by the way, Jimbo did a marvelous job. I've always been a Jimbo Covert fan. I Pit remember guy. back, yeah, Pit guy Local did a great job, here, yeah. absolutely. And Jimbo, um, you know, he referenced the fact that he played with the same guys, Tom Thayer and all those guys, for seven years. Keith Van Horn and some others, you know, for seven years. That's that's continuity, you know. Yeah. But then there's also the chemistry that comes through that continuity of of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. You know, it's the great wins and the great losses the adversity that each one faces that brings something to the group that builds the group because it's the chemistry that that creates that bonding agent that holds five guys together to toil away in the trenches that's a pretty selfless uh endeavor shall we say i mean it, it really you know you're just out you're in there you're slugging it away play after play yeah. time after time you know and it's but it's really that that blood sweat and tears that that congeals that whole line and brings it together and the final element in my mind too is the rules of the road it's knowing everybody's um specific jobs per position what's going on it's important when you have guys that just know only part of it they don't know the whole thing and it it can at some time flare up in a bad missed assignment you know the Steelers offensive line has had that continuity chemistry and yes. rules of the road for the past five six I mean Guys like DeCastro, Pouncey, Big Al always rely on those guys out there every Sunday. Uh, even he's a couple years removed than those other guys, but the big ragu at go I mean, they had that continuity they forever. Did. And this is the first year you, in a while now, in at least half a decade, that you're you're questioning, I think, all three of those as we head into to the regular season. And and I think that's why you want to see maybe at least one pre. It'd be nice to see one preseason game with the quote unquote starting five together for at least a quarter. I think there's to, no question you want to actually. You'd like game. to get a couple starts with those guys. You think you a know? couple would be preferable? Right. Yeah. I, I it wouldn't my mind. I'm you know the chemistry has to do with a self identifying purpose that's greater than yourself. You know I mean if you want to take a look at it I mean in my mind it's like um it's a group think like uh remember the hogs back in the day in 80 in Washington, in Washington. Yeah, you know it was it was I self identifying the hogs we're together we're Russ not, Grimm not and the person, crew yeah. all right it it's the wall in Dallas when they had you know um uh Larry Allen and that crew of guys Eric Williams and you know all those huge guys uh Emmett Smith was was the back back then um, in my day, it was the trapping offense of the Steelers that set it apart. And the fact that because in, in the trapping offense, you had to be very agile to be able to, you know, get under and up and all that stuff that Chuck, Chuck talked about. So it was a matter of shorter guys, not so great leverages, uh, limb length and all that, but strong guys. Because it, it became this, this uh, identity of the Steelers offensive lineman to be strong. So, guys, you know, we spent a lot of time lifting weights and lifting weights well and lifting weights, right. you know, hard. But that was kind of like one of those self-identifying things. And that comes through the chemistry of the brotherhood being together. But the rules of the road are those moments when you can, like, have. I, I laughingly always refer to it as that ESPN thing, you know, where you can, you know, like ESP, but ESPN. ESPN <laughs> <and> <laughs> <girls>. <laughs> you know, Tuncho always used to say, if you got to explain it, it doesn't work as a joke. <laughs> 
And I'm looking at Tom. I'm looking at Jacob. They're both looking at me with that vacant stare. I'm going, yeah. We're just nodding our heads. You're just, yeah, you're just. I think you may have inadvertently done so, but you quoted a movie, Mean Girls, with Lindsay Lohan. Really? So that's why I was kind of taken aback. What's that? Wolf told me the other, that's his favorite movie. I think that was pretty. Don't even start with it. We got the Lindsay Lohan fan club right over here. Who's Lindsay Lohan? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I was quoting a movie. You weren't, but well, you were. You know what okay. I mean? Inadvertently. So that's why I was taken aback at first. I was kind of like, is he doing what I think You guys are looking it, at me like, the ESPN what, you got like three heads. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But the point is <laughs> that you could actually be able to uh, communicate just by mere looks or glances. You just glances. know what your other guys yeah, think. Right. You know what the five guys are doing. Yeah. You know, I mean. Chemistry. Yeah, it is. And it's the rules of the road and that chemistry of bonding together and having been through a number of situations that, uh, you know, just make it. Uh, it's a very eclectic group. And it's a bonding group that you really want that opportunity to bond with because it really, <laughs> sometimes all you got to lean on is each other. Is it hard to learn and to pick up that rules of the road part? when it's just preseason games or you're only playing yeah. for that has to be I feel like that's the part that has to be gained, you know, yep. week 10, week 11 in the season where you've you've seen some stuff as a unit now. There's no and question. If you see it again on another team's defense, you're like, "Oh, I know what Chooks is going to do here because we got we saw this 4 weeks ago." And Absolutely. You know I mean? now, I'll give you an example. Playing Houston, 3-4 defense, all right, down in the Houston Astrodome. One of our uh, audibles was a 92 trap. That's Tunch pulling from the right tackle, and he's going to come right off my butt, all right? Then, actually, it's a 93. <laughs> Sorry, I got it the wrong way. Um, <laughs> right off my butt. He's going to trap anything that shows in the three-hole. If it's a linebacker, Greg Bingham, who would come up in that 3-4, they would walk up on your nose, be in that B-gap, my shoulder, three technique, That okay? okay? Um and they would audible to it, and Dunch would come along, and he'd trap them, right? If Chuck Knoll showed up there, you'd trap them. That's the rules of the road there. Now, the problem is, what happens when, say, Greg Bingham walks up, he's on my outside shoulder, jumps to the A-gap to my inside shoulder, when I'm supposed to be gumming down to double-team on nose tackle with Mike Webster, okay? Um, he does this right like heartbeats before the snap. I can't say nothing because we'll all jump off sides. Snap's Everybody's, right. yeah, yeah I mean, it's, already going. you're right there, you know. And, and so um, he jumps to the inside. I got to take Bingham. Uh, Webby's got to block the nose tackle by himself, who's now shaded. No and Tunch has got to, he's got to trap whoever comes, shows you know, up shows in up gap, in that yeah. three gap, right? And boom, we rip it for like 15 yards. Frankie Pollard goes 15 yards and nobody says a word. But we all knew the rules of the road. You knew you had to take exactly. him. Exactly. Webby knew it was a solo block for him. Yes. Now. And, I mean, Tunch, Tunch's job seemed to stay, stay the same. <laughs> it but. stayed the same. But <laughs> also, he knows that it's not a B gap. Okay. Right. Because right now, uh, that B gap became an A gap. So he's got to either trap the defensive end or the inside linebacker and turn up on him. So rules the whole the point right is there, yeah, the right. rules of the road tell you what to do, and you have to do it. And sometimes you just cannot, you don't have the time. To be, ah, just imagine if I'd said, you know, like that, and then everybody jumps off sides. Oh, my goodness. My name would be Mud. And ho hopefully that you can see that start to develop with this Steelers line, but uh, this seems to be a year where you get that kind of under your belt, and then the next year is the one, if they all come back right. as a unit, that they can really right. start to turn well, some I, heads. I, you know what? Adrian Clem is doing a great job. That, I'm watching him. Hosting the show with Tom Bradley last night, he was very high yeah. on Adrian Clem. And the job well, he knows Adrian Clem, yeah. too, because they coach together at UCLA said, and right? everything else. 
Um, Very thing, high on the job he's going to do this year. Absolutely. You know, you talk to the people that Adrian has affected their careers, like Kelvin Beecham, who I have the greatest respect for. And Kelvin, Kelvin can't say enough good things about Adrian Clem and what he's meant to his career. And remember, Kelvin was a 7A, 7B draft yeah. guy, you know, you know, wasn't with the team for very long, but still, right. Could tell you, but he became it. a starter, right? You know, he, he did, and and then he went out and made some nice bank out on the free agent market. Still playing, um, yeah, still playing nowadays. Uh, I think it is Arizona, in Arizona. Well, my, yeah, because my brother, my yeah. brother's down there. So, um, regardless, the point being is that uh, you know I think Adrian Clem is stamping his own personality yeah. in that offensive line room, and I think it's going to be a bonus. Uh, as these guys come together, because you're talking about four fifths of the line, you know, completely changed. You know, Chooks is the only basic holdover. Right. I'll D- tell Dotson you, Dotson started some last year. But yeah. Not, not much. Exactly. But it not not enough to be. But like you said, as that unit with yeah. chemistry and cohesiveness. There you there, go. There's no one on that line that they. The, you can't look to your right or your left and find someone familiar that Good you played point. against yeah. recently, you know, or played with, excuse me. Well, the one guy, here's one one caveat. Um, I went back, and um, I like to call it upon further review, you know, when you go back, watch a little film. I like that, yeah. A couple guys stood out, um, one on the offensive line, but B.J. Finney. Okay. You know, B.J. Finney did a great, just, did a good, solid pro job in a preseason game starting at left guard. You know, he's, he is just that solid pro, you know, whether he's sure. playing center or, or guard. either guard. Um, well, the guy is so useful. Is yes. Flexibility. Yes. If anybody goes down on the inside, BJ can step into any spot. Absolutely. On that inner triangle. I call it the triangle of the center, two guards. You look at those guys, and um, he just did a, a terrific job or good, good, solid job. Um, no, nobody's going to do a, you know, terrific whatever yeah, in the right. preseason. It's like it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but uh, the other guy that I, I, I found some good stuff, too, was um, UG3, Ulysses, Ulysses Gilbert the third inside linebacker. I went back and watched him. Now, he, he had some rough spots, you, you know, missed a tackle on a, on a uh, pass coverage that he had. He missed a tackle. And not, he got drug on a tackle. But you know what? For a guy who has had such starting and stopping in his career, watching him in pass coverage, watching him blitz, He's got some Vince Williams like blitzability. Well, there's okay. opportunity for him now because right. that third linebacker spot on the inside, pretty much wide, a wide open. open spot. I mean, behind Spillane and Bush, you don't know who's going to be there. I think UG three is probably the front runner right now. Well, as as the kid concerned. has just got terrific athletic ability. Well, they went back out and got him when Vince retired, so you know the Steelers have some good thoughts about. Him oh or else yeah, they wouldn't have re-explored. The yeah, it's been the yeah. whole, the low back thing has been his problem. You know, it's unfortunate. He's, he's he's had those issues because, you know, the low back. If you don't have that, you don't have the dynamic ability to to uh, use all the fast twitch from your lower body. And right. this guy's got more fast twitch than than uh, I don't know than I do hair follicles. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not just saying much. Okay, <laughs> Tommy's looking at me going, getting a sandwich. All right, we got to go. Uh, hair follicles or not, uh, we'll be back with more right after this. Back in the locker room for the uh, final segment here. All right, we got a serious question here. Who was scarier, the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz or the Oompa Loompas from uh, Willy Wonka? Yeah. Did you ever see the new one with Johnny Depp? No. I know we're talking about Johnny Gene Wilder. Come on, no, it was creepy, he can't though. do no, no Gene Wilder. No, he couldn't. He, he didn't no have Gene the Wilder. same, but it was creepier. Was he it? Was a, he was a creep, right? No, You've seen it, right? I have, but. It, 
nothing's creepier than the original Oompa Loompas with the orange face paint and the green hair. I used to have nightmares after I watched that movie, and they they would like shove poor Augustus I don't group know. up a tube. Okay, and but have they work in a chocolate the factory. The flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz were evil. Dun, How did dun, that dun, not scare you more? They had like mascara on. I mean, they had all this stuff around the their monkeys. eyes. Yeah, and they just they looked like evil. They're flying along, and then yeah, think what they did to the scarecrow, man. Oh, not, talk about horrible. knocking the stuffing the out of a guy. Apart, yeah. yeah, set him on fire. That's I don't horrible. know. That's you know. They're both nightmares. Yeah, yeah I mean, movies traumatizing things to watch. It's a they're both kids', kids movies. movies. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're traumatizing to young ones. Think about this. They dropped the cabin on top of the Wicked Witch of the East. That's or very no, West. graphic. That was West, right? No, she oh, was. East. She's East. The one that's the throughout the movie is the West. Right? Okay, is East. And then the you got there. a you got a witch with a green face. Oh man, she was scary too. She, she was. was. Scary too. She melted. You know, she yeah, she came right. on. She came on Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. Like, I guess soon after the movie came out, to because. She would be on the streets, and kids would recognize her and be so afraid of her. So Mr. Rogers invited her on the show and said, look, it's all just a mask. She's a nice lady. And after that, she said it was totally fine. Nope. Wow. That's a trick. She's evil. <laughs> she's pure. She's Come pure on. evil. You're, if you're on the Mr. Rogers nope, neighborhood show, care. you're not She's evil. pure evil. <laughs> no way. Oh, that's too much. That's crazy, guys. All right, so let's get back to talking a little bit about UG3 because – you know, him and Buddy Johnson, they're going to be some guys that, uh, you know, they got to step up and take some reps. No question. I mean, um, thinking, you know, Buddy, I, I liked what I saw out of Buddy. Just mm-hmm. it's it's a basic starting point. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I one of these guys is going to have to step up. They're, that's what I mean. One of them is going to have to play and not just special teams. They're going to have to play legitimate snaps for the defense. Real reps. Even if Bush and Splain are healthy. I mean, you're, you're going to task – your two inside linebackers, Devin Bush, especially with all the stuff you're going to ask him to do this year to play 100% of the snaps during an NFL game, it's a pipe well, dream. No, it's not going to happen. No, I mean, because of the knee, too. Also, I mean, he's just coming back with the knee thing. Butler acknowledged on the plays of which Robert Spillane was kind of playing victim uh, on Thursday night. He was saying, real NFL quarterbacks, you know, this this was Garrett Gilbert and, and, and Ben DiNucci throwing the ball. Real you know, NFL get... <laughs> quarterbacks are going to pick those guys apart. So, yeah, I mean – I don't, I don't have a lot of faith. I don't know about you guys, but for Robert Spillane to kind of keep that spot the whole season, I don't know. Well, I think situationally that's where it's going gonna, it's gonna to come in. You know, that one uh, reception that they gave up that Spillane was in chase mode, dragged down before the, on the first series, you know, after the fumble with Chase and yes. Mason. Um, again, if you look at that, I think it was two by one, two receivers to one side, one guy on the other side. They had a stack, and they ran a rub route. Right, that's right. that's going to be caught. tough on anybody. Yeah, yeah. and he got – he got caught running behind him, and those are things that they got to work on, and that's all part and parcel of, you know, using training camp as a means to get better. And uh, I think we'll see that. I, I got no problems with Robert Splain's a good player. He's a very good player. I mean, again, that uh, he doesn't cheat you on effort. You know. Oh that. no, 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 and don't forget he he intercepted Lamar Jackson touchdown to start off. Baltimore game. Start, and the and Derrick then, Henry hit too. I mean, Derrick Henry. When when they have the 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 uh, Valhalla Hall of legendary linebacker hits. That's all right, they're there. sitting around there. Uh, the, when as Conan would say, the lamentations of the women. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they will sing of Robert uh, Spillane's hit on Derrick Henry because that is one of the legendary hits. Oh, one of the loudest pops I think I've ever heard. You could hear it through the board, right? When you were running it back in the it studio, it was sensational. It was so loud. So he's just got to round out his game. He's he's a 
very, very good player, and he's going to increase in skills, and you've got situationally that ability to bring in more of the, the, the hybrids, you know, as we move along here. Are we are we going to, to we wind go. up here? We got to go. We got to go. Hand the reins off. Oh, to are you sure? I am handing oh, the reins man. off. I mean, to... what are you going to do? You got to go down to practice. Uh, yeah, I got to go a little longer. Like, I mean, like that actually fellas, matters. I think you guys will be back tomorrow with me, right? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't I mean, know. will Williamson be back in town by that point? Oh, maybe he, he will be. be. Okay. Well, let me just say this: you guys were excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate you guys. This I isn't this goodbye. Won't be the last time. This is see you this later. This is see you later. Oh, I like that. Wild, All right. The wild bunch will be back in the last <laughs> time. I promise. You I that. love it. All right. We'll be back more tomorrow, whether it's with or without <laughs> the wild bunch. But we'll be back with more right here on SNR.